Dave is going to intro our speaker in just a moment, but I wanted to take a second to give everybody a heads up that part of Amy's story that she's going to tell involves sexual trauma. Um, so you have Dave's intro, which is about two minutes, to, if you'd like to excuse yourself to the lobby, and then it's about three to five minutes into her story when um, she kind of moves past that. Nothing explicit, but just wanted to give you guys a heads up because it kind of comes out of nowhere. So enjoy. Hey gang, thanks for joining us today at Westwinds Church. My name's Dave, I'm the lead pastor and I'm currently on sabbatical, uh, but I'd like to introduce to you Amy Oberg as our guest speaker today. And a Amy is a former worship leader, now she's the women's ministry director at a great church uh, in the Southwest called Journey Church. And it's, it's a massive church, she's got a massive ministry. And I first met Amy through our mutual friend, uh, Robin Smith. And Robin was on staff at Westwinds for a long time and went to work in, in uh, Nevada, in Las Vegas, helping women get out of human trafficking situations and Robin said Dave you got to get to know Amy and Robin told Amy Amy you got to get to know Dave so Amy joined up for one of our online cohorts for women in ministry at the chapter house that's the other charity I run here in town and we connected there and I thought man this this lady is awesome. She's got a twinkle in her eye, she's got a thousand watt smile, and she's passionately in love with Jesus. And I think these are these are the qualities that I wanna expose my church to. These are the qualities that I wanna cultivate in my church because these are the qualities that I wanna cultivate in myself. Mischief, joy, and a love for Jesus. So I highly recommend Amy to you. I'm happy that she's here with us uh, on video today. And uh, man, I hope you, you really, really, really get something out of it. Greetings, my name is Amy Oberg. I actually want to tell you what a super fan of sabbatical I really am. So when I heard that one of your pastors was going on sabbatical, I immediately jumped on board because I understand the value of how important sabbatical really is. So um, I ended up going on the Camino de Santiago with my husband two years ago, and we ended up traveling 550 miles and we walked about 500 of them. So the 90 days sabbatical that we had, we spent 51 days out of country, which was phenomenal and amazing. And I suggest that pilgrimage to anybody. It is amazing. I've never heard so much quiet before in my whole life. And I can tell you that I did not listen to one song or one book all 35 days that I walked to Santiago. And even after that, Amazing. So I hope your pastor has an incredible time out of town or hopefully out of town and rest. Okay. My name is Amy Oberg and I want to tell you just a snippet of my story. And my story is that I come from a very, very good background. I'm a pastor's kid. My, my parents are amazing. They've been um, saved for almost 50 years and they've been together that long and they are incredible. I grew up as kind of a sheltered kid, um, but what happened when I was 19 years old was that uh, my very first sexual experience was rape. And what it did to my sheltered world was it actually knocked it off of its access. It wrecked me. There was so much that I didn't understand and I became a very angry young adult. At 19, I just didn't know how to respond to that type of evil in my life. So I ended up being very angry at God, very angry at my parents for sheltering me. And isn't that the job of parents to shelter their children from evil? Well, they did, and evil happened anyway. However, 
uh, the next couple years were very spiritually challenged for me in a way where I ended up in bad relationships. It was kind of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And what happened was I ended up in this relationship where I ended up pregnant. Well, this brought me to my knees. My flesh was literally hanging off of me. So if you know any single women who are pregnant, love on them because it is so hard to have your sin hanging off of you. Anyways, it led me to a point that I um, had to get right with God. I had to recall who he was to me in my life. And about six months along in my pregnancy, I hit my knees and said, Jesus, I am all in. Jesus, I need help and I can't do this without you. And I'm going to remember who you are in my life. Well, fast forward a couple more months, January 8th of 2001, I gave birth to a beautiful, bubbly baby girl named Emma. And she is incredible. So the timeline of what God did was he reached down into my life and rescued me from myself, rescued me from sin, and redeemed so much that was lost during that time. Because I was able to bend my knee, get rid of some of those things and break some of those chains, he swooped down and fast forwarded my timeline to what he wanted. Now, the timeline went really fast. So January 8th, I had a baby. March 23rd of 2001, my best friend of seven years got radically saved. And then he became an option. So we got married June 13th of that same year. So in five and a half months, God was able to restore so much that was lost. And I am really grateful for that. Now it's been almost 20 years. Dennis and I have been married and we have a 20 year old daughter who is also now married. And so I have a daughter and a son-in-law and I love my family. So this brings me to the last few years of our life, um, probably the last eight or 10 years of Dennis and I's life, we have been having a word of the year. And it's kind of a word like, God, what is this word? You know, what, is, what filter can we have in this life for just for this year? What are we doing this year? And so January 1st of 2021, Dennis and I went up onto Cross Mountain, which is, we live in the mountains of Kingman, Arizona. So we go up onto Cross Mountain and Cross Mountain is on my dad's property. And there is a 60 foot by 90 foot cross laying down on the ground. And we go up there, it is all painted with white rocks. It is so cool. It's where we take our friends and it is amazing to go and pray there. So we go up onto this plateau, we go to Cross Mountain and we sit, we pick a rock to sit on, and we ask God for the word of the year. Well, if you haven't noticed, 2020 was insane. It was just crazy. And so as we're sitting there, I walked up to the mountain like, all right, Lord, I know what word is going to happen this year. I know it. I know it's going to be a fluffy word like honeycomb. Well, that comes from Proverbs 16, which I was very excited to have that word, except that's not the word he gave me. And that comes from Proverbs 16, which is gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. And I would have loved nothing more than to have a great word where God's words are 
healing to my bones and I can give sweet words to other people. Well, that's not quite what happened. So we go up to Cross Mountain and the only word that I'm getting is alignment. And I'm like, alignment? Lord, are you serious right now? Alignment, that sounds difficult. That is so not what I want. I need something fluffy this year because 2020 kind of stunk. But the word is alignment. And then it begged the question, well, are we out of alignment? And he's like, well, yeah, everybody's out of alignment. We have to be aligned. And I'm like, I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I need something fluffy in my life. Well, we come down off Cross Mountain and we start to process this word. And the first couple of illustrations that came through was wheel alignment. And wheel alignment in any vehicle, if you have one wheel that is off, you might be moving forward, but it's not gonna feel good. And then there's, if your back is out of alignment, I don't know if you have anybody in your life that has degenerative disc disease, but if you are out of alignment, if your back is out of alignment, you will literally be crooked and walk crooked. So alignment is very, very important. The next illustration that God showed us was bone alignment. And bone alignment is really, really important. When you have bone alignment, when it's not aligned, it's called malaligned. And malaligned means that it is grown incorrectly. Now, when there is a malalignment, the only way to actually get that bone straight is to break it. Now that is so not comfortable. And as I'm processing this, I'm like, Lord, I don't need to be broken in any other way. I don't wanna be malaligned, but I also don't want something that has grown incorrectly over time. That would not be good. I don't wanna be hitting the wrong way. So we keep talking about this and it ends up being, we come up with this conclusion. What is the fruit of alignment? Well, the fruit of alignment is peace, right? If there's peace in my life, if I'm aligned with Jesus, then I have peace. The fruit of alignment is love. The fruit of alignment is worship. The fruit of alignment is security and hope and trust and rest and forward, right? The fruit of alignment is holiness. I get to be still and know that God is still in control. So as I was getting ready for this teaching, I, I wanted, I, I brought the fluffiness back to God. I'm like, hey God, I would really appreciate to do a fluffy teaching. Now Jesus is just not that fluffy. However, I keep being, being brought back to Luke 21. And Luke 21 is all about the end times. I'm like, Lord, really? Alignment and the end times? And I'm like, man, I would have shared my story with you or I'm a worship leader and so I would have loved to share Romans 12, one and two with you. And that's something that's inside of me or maybe Ephesians, that would have been amazing because that's our identity and I know that stuff so well. And I really got the impression that God wanted something current for us today. God wanted something that we could look at today because it matters today. Why? Why does this current stuff matter today? 
I can tell you that there are some very, very serious questions going on, not only in the world, but in the lives of Christians. Now, our world is very unsettled. There is a ton of unrest. And I can say very plainly that we have social, emotional, political, and spiritual confusion. And that is like scary danger zone for me. And that's where alignment actually comes in. We need to be aligned with Jesus. We need to read the word of God so that any malalignment will be broken and we will be set straight. We have to have eyes to see and ears to hear the word of God so that it may transform our life. So I want to read the Bible with expectation. And for me, that just means just read it for what it is. It's just really important to just read it. Now, what I don't want to do is I don't, because we're reading about the end times, I don't want to find uh, the clues of where all the relics or the artifacts are buried. We're not going to, this, this passage is not going to help us find Noah's Ark or the Ark of the Covenant for that matter. We're just going to read what it says. Now, speaking of relics, in the 1990s, the Shroud of Torin was a really, really big deal. It's um, the face, the 3D image was masterfully splattered all over the news, which I remember watching all of that news, but that's when the news actually covered news, like global media actually covered news stories, regardless of what they were. So when I'm watching all of this, I ended up like going to my dad and saying, hey, dad, what if it's real? What does it mean? What if this shroud was legitimate? What does it mean? And he is so brilliant. He's so wise. He's like, if it's real or not, does it change your faith? And I was like, well, no, I don't think so. But what it did was it settled me to focus on my relationship with God and not focus on all of the details. So when we read the Bible with expectation, we're reading the Bible to understand where we are with God and not to answer all of the mysteries because God is mysterious and he has things that he's not going to tell us. So I don't want to get our feelings hurt that we're not digging into some of the details. I really just want to read the word of God because this is Jesus's dissertation on what's going to happen. And we have a chance to really read it and understand. So I hope that you open your Bibles and I hope you read this with me because this is Luke 21. We're going to start in verse five and we're just going to read it. All right, simple. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV. Verse five. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, as for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? What will be the sign that they are about to take place? Now, isn't this like humans to go, well, if something's going to change, Lord, tell us when, tell us what, tell us all the mysteries. And he replies, watch out that you were not deceived. 
For many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. And then he said to them, nations will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, pestilences in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. Okay. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison, and you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. So he just took all of this stuff that's going to happen and said, this is all about Jesus. 14, but make up your own mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourself. Now he's warning us, we don't have to worry. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. This is so encouraging, isn't everyone's gonna hate us because of Jesus. This is just, I'm just reading it. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, let those in the city get out and let those in the country not enter the city. For this time, for this is the time of punishment and fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against the people, and they will fall by the sword. And they will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars, on the earth, nations will be anguished and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on, of, on the world, for heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Praise the Lord. And then he told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all of the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know the summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know the kingdom of God is near. That's what we need to know in this. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass until all of these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, words will never pass away. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. There's a warning here to be careful of everything that you're seeing, all of the signs. He says, be careful so it doesn't weigh you down. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Whew. 
Each day, Jesus was teaching at the temple, and each evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to hear him at the temple. Okay, so let's just agree right now that Jesus isn't fluffy, right? This is not fluffy scripture. But we have to actually weed through all of it to get to the point of what he is actually saying. So we've got some humanity going on. The disciples are like, tell us, Lord, tell us when, tell us what's going to happen. Give us the one thing that we all need to know. He doesn't actually do that. He ends up in verse 19. He says, stand firm and you will win life. What does that mean, win life? Well, everybody hates us, so um, we're going to win life. But here's, here's the thing. What do you do when somebody hates you? Nothing. It doesn't have anything to do with you. He said this is for his name, not for ours. So if everybody hates us, okay, then wh- who are we left with? We're left with God. And nothing can separate us from God. Romans 8, 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Now, here's how this plays out just on earth. If somebody came to me and said, Amy, I want you to stop loving your daughter. I'd be like, uh, no. And nothing you can do can stop me from loving her. That's what God is saying. You can win a life by being connected, being in relationship with God. That is what being alive really means. Okay, verse 28. When these things begin to take place, Stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. If we could lift our head and know that we are waiting God, waiting for God to come and get us. Now, one of the synonyms for redemption is retrieval. So we have atonement, restoration, restitution, and retrieval is near. Praise the Lord. When all of this is starting to happen, we've got all the signs and the sun and the moon and the stars, anguish. People are fainting because of terror. He says, stand up, lift up your head because your redemption is near. Praise the Lord. Verse 36. Be always on watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Now, I don't know where you are today. I don't know if you're ready to stand in front of God. I don't know if you're ready to be face-to-face with God. That's only something you can answer. But not with anyone else do we get to make that journey to stand before God not with one other person. You know, if we just look and read his words, then we know that, number one, everyone hates us already. 
So we're winning life because we are not separated from God. Our redemption is drawing near and we have to be ready to stand before God. Be ready to see God. I know that that's difficult. We don't get to ask for like a continuance. Like I realize, Lord, that I didn't do anything with my life. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to get ready for this. But what you need to do is you need to be with Jesus. You need to have relationship with Jesus. He is the one. You have to be ready to see God. We have to break any alignment that we have with the world. All of this social and emotional confusion, the spiritual confusion that is happening, we have to break all of these other alignments and maybe things have grown out of control. Maybe, just maybe, we have to break a bone so that we can get right with God. But there is no better time than right now to be able to read the words in red, to be able to listen to who God is, Break any other alignment and follow him so you can be ready to meet your maker. Now let's go back up to verse one through four. This is how the whole thing starts. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put two very small copper coins in. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. You know, I really don't know where you are today, but what I do know is that I can ask you a simple question. What is holding you back today? What stops you from going all in with Jesus? What stops you? Is it sin? Is it power? Is it unwillingness? Is it the love of another relationship that gets in the way? Is it time? Is it questions? Is it the mysteries, the signs, success, kids, sex, drugs, and rock and roll? Anger? I know I had unresolved issues that I had to work out with God. Maybe it's money. Maybe it is your wealth. In the long run, if we're standing before God and we're ready to see him, then what is our excuse going to be? Well, Lord, I didn't want to. Or, well, Lord, I really liked my sin. Well, Lord, I was too busy climbing the ladder of success. Or one, one of mine was, I don't know how to change. And you know, the hard truth in that is that change is really hard and change requires change in your life. And you might be ready to change. I hope that you are because we don't know the day or the hour that he is coming back. Now there is going to be a tension always between humanity and eternity, right? We're gonna live there until we get to meet him face to face. But we have a choice on who we're going to believe. When you start breaking some of that malalignment, you choose who to believe. Now, there are a lot of people who believe in God. There are. But the Bible says even the demons believe in God. But do you believe God in what he wrote? And here's the thing. If there was one person, 
If there was one person that you would be willing to listen to, I can tell you it's Jesus. I can tell you that these words in red, this mini dissertation that Jesus has on the end times, you should believe him. And here's what he says. Stand firm so that you will win life. Stand up and lift your heads because your redemption or retrieval is near. And be always on the watch. Pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen so that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Now, are you standing in readiness or are you standing in fear? What if the signs are real? What if it is close? What if it is time? What if it is time and we're ready to go? Does it change your faith? Like an artifact or a relic? Does it make you closer or like, are you a skeptic? See, you have that choice right now. You have a choice on who you're going to align with and who you are going to believe. And this word of God is the only thing that will break all other alignments with the world and the only one worth believing. I don't know if you know Jesus, and if you don't, if you're ready to break the alignments with the world, then I challenge you to talk to one of your pastors. Maybe you're half in and you're half out. Maybe you don't know where you land. Maybe you, you know, you follow Jesus, but you still like your sin. Well, I'm going to challenge you to get rid of all the stuff that's holding you back. Make that change so that you can follow Jesus with everything you have so that you are ready. And maybe, just maybe you're already all in with Jesus and you are following him with everything that you have. Praise the Lord. But when all of this stuff, all of these details, these earthquakes, these famines, these pestilence, the wars, the signs and the moon and the stars, don't be shaken by it. Don't be shaken by the mysteries that are all over, the crazy news, or the fear of everybody else. See, Jesus even told us, he said, people are going to faint from terror. And you cannot be shaken, Christian. You cannot be shaken by everything that's going to happen. The fruit of alignment is peace and rest and joy and love in Jesus because we are his. I hope that you go all in. Don't hold anything back from him because he is worth it. And be ready to see God because that is what this whole life is about. Be ready to see God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this non-fluffy message Lord, we thank you for who you are and that we can win our life here, be ready to be retrieved by you in any way. Whenever you're ready, Lord, we do ask, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But Lord, I ask that we are all ready to stand before you in everything that we have. So Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. And thank you for giving us your words that we are ready. 
Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.